What's up, y'all, and welcome to part two of our two-part college football preview. As I mentioned in our last part one, this was probably going to be split up into multiple episodes. Now we know for certain. I just taped part one with Andrew Stem, and uh, if you guys missed that, we covered the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, the Group of Five conferences, independent schools, uh, previewed, set the table for all those schools, and now we're in part two. And over the next 50 minutes or so, we will talk Big Ten, SEC, and hey, maybe we'll throw out some other bold predictions and stuff of that nature as well. Uh, as you, as I mentioned, got a lot of great content coming out soon. Our NFL preview is going to be dropping very soon. And uh, we've got a big-time interview coming up with a very special guest. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and follow along on social media. That's at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That way you can vote in the greatest sports movie of all time. And then log on to my website, jackvita.com, where all the content is at. Uh, we will now go into part two of our college football preview. Back with me once again, Andrew Stem. I think our part one went pretty well, Andrew. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. It was good to talk about those conferences. Good to spend some legitimate time talking about the group of five and uh, the independents because I feel like you know, that if, if we'd waited and talked about them at a different time, we might not have been able to touch on them uh, as much and got a really good discussion about the AAC, uh, about, uh, you know, the Sun Belt as well. We touched a little bit there at the Mountain West at the end. And uh, also, Jack, I would be remiss if I didn't say, uh, remind people also to sign up for the email notifications. Uh, yes. I get those that come to my inbox and that uh, helps me know. Uh, obviously, you know, being subscribed to the podcast, they just kind of shows up in my feed, but good to know when they're. There are other posts, and good to know when the next uh, round of voting for the uh, sports movie challenges, all that good stuff. So uh, if you're not signed up for the email newsletter, make sure that you go to jackvita.com, sign up for that, uh, because I know it helps me a lot know when you got new content being coming out. There we go. A nice endorsement there from Stembo. I appreciate that. That was, oh, that's great. Welcome. <laughs> all right let's talk some uh let's talk some big 10 so obviously coming into the year ohio state has the biggest bullseye on their back of anybody it really feels like there's them and then there's everybody else but i mean if you look back to last year and they got a lot of their guys coming back they do not have justin fields but they have a i mean they probably have the best receiving corp in the country with garrett wilson and chris olave um who you smartly snagged from me in the uh, college football fantasy draft. Uh, <laughs> he got him a couple picks before me the other night. A uh, little bitter about that, Andrew, but uh, I mean, look, this team, this team's going to be really good once again, but I mean, Hey, you look back to last year, they just barely got into the big 10 championship game. In fact, they had to change the rules in order for them to get in because they made a rule. You need to play a minimum of, I think it was six games and they only played five. And then they said, well, we want Big Ten. We want uh, Ohio State representing the Big Ten because they have the best chance of going to the college football playoff. And if they don't bend the rules there, you probably, I mean, maybe, maybe Northwestern gets a bid, but probably not. But Northwestern was up on them in the first ha at halftime of the Big Ten championship game. And Indiana gave them a really good fight. 
um, on the road. And that game was in Columbus last year. Um, are there any chinks in the armor of the Ohio State Buckeyes? I mean, I feel like one of the biggest ones, you talked about Justin Fields now playing um, you know, in Chicago, and I know you got to see him play when you went to see the, the Bears preseason game. Uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. But, um, you know, Ryan Day has named uh, Redshirt Freshman C.J. Stroud as their starting quarterback. Uh, they've also got uh, Quinn Ewers, who, um, you know, was the number one quarterback in the class of 2022 uh, from South Lake Carroll and, you know, the, the home of Matthew Stafford, amongst other places or amongst other players. Um, and he decided he'd had enough credits. He graduated high school a year early, so he'd be able to work with the name, image, and likeness because Texas high school doesn't have any of that. Um, so in order to really kind of cash in on his value, and I think, you know, if he's really that good to also be able to start his NFL draft clock early, um, you know, he's going to be there. But, uh, you know, that's the biggest question. And, and Justin Fields won, you know, so many games for them over the course of not just last year, but, you know, the year before. Um when they made that great run as well. And um, so if if the quarterbacks can step up and be okay, you mentioned they will have the opportunity having, you know, some some really good safety blankets in terms of Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, also Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to be, looks like they're going to be turning it over to a freshman running back um, in uh, Trevion Henderson. Uh, they've also got Master Teague, but Trey Sermon is gone. He's now playing in San Francisco. And uh, I think one of the biggest things is I think that four guys graduate or three guys graduate off of that starting offensive line. Um, And they were so good blocking for Sermon and for Fields and for all those guys. Um, So, you know, there's, there's a lot. They'll have to step up, but I mean, uh, you know, when Urban Meyer was there, they were recruiting at a high level. Ryan Day has just kept it going. So they have plenty of talented players to step in and become the next wave. But, until you see them out in the field, you know, you're not going to know if they're going to get solid quarterback play. Right. Um, so, so what's, how does that, how does that turn out? I think that's the biggest question mark that they have. And they open, you know, they, they have a relatively difficult opening of their schedule. They go to Minnesota and open on that Thursday night, September 2nd. And then we talked about a little bit when we were talking about that. Well, they, they host Oregon, um, on September 11th. So, um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, which we didn't get a chance to talk about, he really runs that Oregon defense. Um, and you, with, you know, he's in CJ Stroud's face all night. It could be a long night in Columbus for the Buckeye faithful. Um, if the offensive line can't keep him protected, eventually I think the cream will rise to the top, but would it surprise me if, you know, Ohio state struggled early, um, in games, and I don't necessarily mean that they lose any of those games, but if they they just don't look as crisp as sharp as we've kind of become accustomed to seeing them over the last couple of years, uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But still, I think uh, the favorites of the Big Ten East. You know, we'll talk about Indiana and whether they can repeat what they did a year ago. Penn State should be much improved. I think Michigan will be much improved. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm certainly sure we'll touch on them and talk about Jim Harbaugh <laughs> and kind of the situation he finds himself in, but. Um, they're certainly the the favorite to win the Big Ten East. Um, can they go as far in the playoff? It, can they win the Big Ten championship? Can they can they get back to the college football playoff? Can they get to the national title game? You know, I'm not 100 percent certain. But again, with you know guys like Olave and Wilson to throw to, it's going to make Stroud's life a lot easier. And if it turns out that eventually it's Quinn Ewers by the middle of the season, 
you know, whoever is quarterbacking Ohio State will have all of those options. Um, and that certainly makes transitioning a lot easier, whether to be a first year starter, um, you know, and they return defensive guys on the defensive line. You know, Zach Harrison is a guy who was a, a big Michigan versus Ohio State recruiting battle. Um, the returned guys on offense, uh, the secondary, bring back a couple of starters in the secondary. So pieces to work with. And again, they'll, you know, you need guys just to kind of step in. And uh, certainly a lot of highly talented guys at Ohio State, the way they've recruited. But there could be some stumbles early. They, they are, I for sure feel like they will be one of those teams. Um, and, you know, certainly as a Michigan fan, this is much a detriment to them because, you know, certainly to my detriment, they're one of those teams who will be much better at the end of the season than they will be uh, at the beginning. They'll, they'll get a chance to gel and come together. And uh, I would guess by the time they get to November, they're looking more like the Ohio State team we've been accustomed to see here uh, ever since Urban Meyer was hired in Columbus. I think that Oregon game is really interesting because if they don't have their stuff together for that game and Oregon wins, I mean, that's that's the type of game that's going to decide who gets into the playoff. If you have two teams, let's say they're both a one-loss team and they're both vying for number three, number four, that's going to be a huge difference maker. Yeah, and especially because you look at – you think that the you think Penn State and Michigan, who were both so bad last year, will be improved. Yeah. But, um, you know, Ohio State doesn't play Wisconsin. They, we talk about they play Minnesota. They don't play Northwestern. They don't they're, – they're out of conference or they're out of divisional games are Minnesota, Nebraska, and, and Purdue. So they're not going to get a chance other than perhaps that Minnesota game to really notch what I think will be a marquee win. You know, no offense to all the, yeah. the people who live around me. I, I think Nebraska might still be a year or two away from really competing to win the Big Ten West. So if they lose that Oregon game, you know, you don't have a whole lot of other opportunities to win kind of one of those marquee games. And, you know, in a 12th playoff field, that would matter. But we're still at four, and there's a chance that if they don't beat Oregon, they may not rack up enough impressive wins or have teams have those losses that they need to really jump back into the picture. So, yeah, you know, that's that's a, a really good point is that uh, that Oregon game takes on extra meaning, I think, especially for, for Ohio State. Absolutely. Let's talk about our teams. I'll, I want to get you talking about Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines, and we'll talk about my Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, so Michigan, obviously, last year, disappointing year. I'm going to give a shout-out to Jack Lindblad. He's a friend of mine uh, from high school, great guy, and he's a huge, huge, huge Michigan fan. And I really think you guys would be good friends because he saw your team name, that you were him, Jarbaugh, in our fantasy league. And he said, "Is who is this him Jarbaugh guy? Is he a pro Harbaugh and anti Harbaugh? Because Jack will die on the hill fighting that Jim Harbaugh is really a guy that should not be getting the amount of hatred that he's getting from Michigan fans. And I know you've stood up for him a little bit in the past as well. Um, so I, it's obviously an interesting situation, but Jack was talking about how like, yeah, look, last year was tough, but it was also a COVID year. They, they only played five games and there were a lot of COVID problems. Like you, not to say you should get 100% a free pass for what happened last year, but you kind of should. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, I think that was really what started our, uh, our college football discussion on this podcast a year ago was talking about Jim Harbaugh and whether or not you know he should be brought back, whether we thought he was on the hot seat. Um, he hasn't forgotten how to coach. You know, he's this is still the same guy, and maybe the situation circumstances are different. Took Stanford, turned Stanford around. Before that, he turned San Diego around and made them really the class of the Pioneer Football League, the conference that you, know, you and I are pretty familiar with in the FCS <laughs> because that's where Valparaiso is. Um, you know, at, and went to the Super Bowl, you know, three consecutive NFC title games. He hasn't forgotten how to coach, um, you know, and things have been a little bit different in terms of, you know, Ohio State wasn't necessarily the juggernaut that they are when that they are now when he got hired. Um, and, you know, he, he made there were a lot of staff changes that he made in the offseason. Defensive coordinator Don Brown is now at Arizona. Um, so they brought in Mike McDonald, who from the Ravens. Uh, so he goes from one Harbaugh brother to the other. Uh, he was a grad assistant at Georgia before he went to the Ravens, um, and has kind of changed the system. They ran a four-three under Don Brown, and I think they're going to be much more of a three-four. I really need one of those space-eating kind of nose tackles. Um, you know, they they just haven't been the last few years, and I, and I hope your your friend Jack would agree with me. Just the quarterback play hasn't been consistent. Um, you know, Shane, uh, Shane Patterson, rather the first year he transferred over from Mississippi, he was pretty good. Um, but then just couldn't seem to kind of quite get that spark, uh, in his second season. And then last year that was a rotating rat of, of quarterbacks. And, you know, they finally seemed to settle on Cade McNamara and then he got hurt. Um, and I think he's going to be the, uh, presumptive starter, um, in, you know, the, and a chance really to kind of take the offense over. They've got five, uh, star uh, quarterback JJ, uh, uh, what's JJ, JJ McCarthy, uh, kind of waiting in the wings. They also have tra- uh, transfer Alan Bowman from Texas Tech. Um, but if they can get good quarterback play, they have some really, they have some decent skill position players. Hassan Haskins is one of, um, kind of the forgotten running backs, I think, in the Big Ten. He's going to be really good. They've got Blake Corum as another running back. Um, and Donovan Edwards, who's a freshman who should be pretty dynamic, and a couple of pass catchers, uh, Ronnie Bell, uh, Cornelius Johnson. Honestly, if the offensive line can gel, they should be, they'll be better offensively. Um, you know, and defensively, they're, they're bringing back a bunch of thirds. Aiden Hutchinson is a guy who um, you know, will probably be a first two-day draft pick in the NFL next year. Um, they got some decent, they returned most of the starters in the secondary. You know, the secondary wasn't great last year but uh, a chance to improve. They'll play a lot more zone coverage. Um, you know, we could get really inside baseball about this if you wanted, but I imagine uh, this isn't a Michigan <laughs> podcast, so we won't. Um, yeah. They will be improved. We need, to get, we need to get you and Jack together to start yeah. the, the Go yeah. Blue podcast. We might have to do that, but uh, they'll be much improved. <laughs> um, you know, they were, they were two and four last year, and just they looked so good against Minnesota in that season opening game. Then they looked so lost against Michigan State. And, uh, you know, players started getting hurt. They got blown out by Indiana, got blown out by Wisconsin, uh, needed double, triple overtime to beat Rutgers, and then uh, lost to Penn State in the last game they played. They will be much improved. Um, I think we'll get a really good sense kind of of where they are. We talked about the in the Pac-12 section, um, you know, at the game in Ann Arbor under the lights on September 11th, Washington and Michigan um, is going to be really a big game for both teams. You know, Washington kind of wanted to prove that they're on the – you know, they deserve to be talked about in with the top 10 teams. I think Michigan's just going to be trying to prove that they're, 
you know, not back in the sense of, you know, we jokingly say Texas is back every year when they, <laughs> they win a big game, but that they can compete on the national stage. Um, you know, I think, I think eight wins is probably right about for this team. Um, you know, but I could see them winning more. I could see them winning fewer. Um, but I think eight and four is probably about where it is. And I feel like if they look competent and go eight and four, I think, um, you know, they, the athletic department reworked Jim Harbaugh's deal in the off season. So, um, he makes less money. The incentives are bigger if they win bigger things. Um, buyout has been lessened, but I think if this team goes eight and four, um, and you know, looks like they belong on the field with everybody on their schedule, which you know hasn't been that's always been the case for the last few years. That uh, that will earn him another year. They recruiting at a pretty high level. They took a little bit of a dip, but now there's much more of a focus. They brought in a lot of younger coaches. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they can start trending upward. But uh, I think probably they'll be, I think, the second or third best team in the Big Ten East start building for, for next year, hopefully. All right, let me ask you this. And I, I don't, I honestly, I don't disagree with anything you said. I My read on Michigan is the exact same. I think they're going to be good. We went into greater detail on this last year. And, hey, maybe maybe it'll this topic will resurface as it becomes a talking point every year with the press, with Harbaugh now, it seems. But, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, like you said, he succeeded everywhere he's gone. And he makes every situation interesting. And he's done a good job, and he loves this program. He's an alum. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on Michigan. I want to know your read on the Northwestern Wildcats. You know, I you know as we transition from one alum who loves his program to another, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald, uh, yeah. you know, in his 16th season, all been in Evanston, he could probably have made, you know, he could have made the jump, I think, if he wanted to go somewhere else. Um, but he hasn't, he's, he stayed in Evanston. He loves Evanston. And, um, you know, that's really a credit to him. Um, you know, they've got, you know, only eight returning starters. And we talked so much in that first half about how it is important is to have guys coming back. But if you have guys at the right positions, um, and you know, uh, Brandon Joseph is as good a defensive player as there is in the big 10. Um, you know, the, the ball hawk and safety, he's, He's, he was so impressive last year as, as a freshman and uh, doing all of those things. Um, you know, Fitzgerald is, I don't want to say he does more with less because that's, that's really kind of undermining his ability to recruit. But he, Northwestern is always one of those teams that seems to play better or have a better season than when you sit and look at their roster on paper in August. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether Fitzgerald's just able to get the most out of his team, whether it's, it's high-quality coaching, the breaks go their way, whatever it is, you know, you look up and you go, man, we thought Northwestern was going to win five games, and then they won seven or eight. Um, so th- there could be a little bit of a rebuilding process. I, I know they named Hunter Johnson, uh, yes. transfer from Clemson, the uh, starting quarterback, surprisingly over uh, Ryan Holinsky, who transferred from South Carolina. I think a lot of people have kind of penciled that in. Um, I know, I can't remember whether it was Cam Porter uh, or one of the other. I know running back just got injured. Uh, they announced at the end of practice last week. So that, that could potentially be a blow for their offense. But, um, you know, they they have – Pat is going to get the most out of his team. And um, it would not surprise me if we sit here and look and, um, you know, they've won 
game or two, nobody thought they were going to. And they're <laughs> typically, I think the thing that impresses me the most about Northwestern is that you, I can hardly ever remember them losing a game that you thought they were going to win. They tend to win a game or two every year that nobody expected them to win or you didn't think they were going to. But very rarely do I feel like you sit down and look at their, at their schedule at the end of the season. You know, we thought they were going to win that game and they didn't. They just don't slip up like you see a lot of other teams do. And, that, you know, that's a credit to the, the players they bring in and really to the coaching staff. Yeah, I think this team, it's not going to win the Big Ten West as it did last year, but I think they're going to be solid. And it, look, they had that year two years ago where they won two games, I believe, and it was just a really brutal year. And that was the last time we saw Hunter Johnson on the field. Hunter Johnson, I think I'm really, uh, to tell the truth, I'm not shocked that he's starting. I know a lot of people are expecting Holinsky, but Hunter Johnson has been with this team longer. He knows the system and everything like that. When we saw him, and for those who are unfamiliar, Hunter Johnson was a five-star recruit in that same recruiting class with Trevor. Uh, no, not with Trevor. Um, who was the, I'm trying to think of who the other big star quarterbacks were in that was that fields was he in that recruiting class i think so i think so yeah yeah so he was he was one of the top three or four guys in the nation five-star recruit gets to clemson and then once trevor starts playing it's like yeah i'm not going to be playing on this team <laughs> this guy's too good um and i believe his dad played at northwestern transferred to northwestern and there's some pretty high expectations and just a lot of excitement with him and then that year that he played, I mean, he's, he started the year as the backup behind Trent Green's son. And I mean, that year, it was not a good year. But I, looking back on that year, I remember watching those games and thinking like, man, this guy's got a great arm. He made some great throws where I was like, man, I, I don't remember seeing a Northwestern quarterback who was capable of making that throw ever. Um, the offense was really, really bad at that time. So I think Hunter Johnson could be solid. And if he if he doesn't do well, we will see Holinsky. Uh, so this is year three for Hunter Johnson with the Cats, and he's got two years left of eligibility, I believe, because of the extra year from last year. Holinsky should have three years of eligibility with the Cats. I look at this schedule, and I think they're going to come out of the gates quite strong. And if they don't then you're going to have an idea of what kind of year this is going to be because they play Michigan State and Indiana State at home. Then they play at Duke, and they play Ohio at home. Now, Duke is Duke's a good, typically a pretty good uh, equal to Northwestern. They're both very good academic schools. They've played each other a lot over the last five or ten years, and they seem to be around 500. I feel like they've matched each other. So they might not win that game, but... They could go 4-0, or they could be 3-1. and Then they play at Nebraska, and they play Rutgers. So, realistically, this Northwestern team could start out 5-1 and or 6-0, and and then the schedule gets a lot tougher in the second half. You have at Michigan, you play Minnesota, you play Iowa, you play at Wisconsin, and then at the end of the year, you get Purdue and Illinois. So, what do you think in terms of wins, Andrew? Uh, like seven say- wins, eight wins? I would, I would say probably I'm feeling the same like that I would about Michigan. I feel like eight and four is probably a pretty good gauge for them. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan State at home, 
Uh, I think Michigan State is kind of thought of as being uh, the the worst team, at least on paper, in the Big Ten East. Um, and then you talk about Indiana State at Duke, Ohio. I, I think we'll really learn a lot about that team when they go to Nebraska. Um, that yeah. is gonna. That I think is certainly going to be. I doubt it will be teams who it will be a matchup of two ranked teams. Um, I don't see uh, Nebraska and Northwestern both being ranked at that time. But I feel like whoever wins that game, that's really going to be one of those springboard games to the you know the kind of last two months of the season to propel them to, you know, a, a top half of the division kind of finish to you know eight and four, seven and five, kind of where you want to finish. And that's really where I peg Northwestern for. I, I feel like eight and four is probably about right for them. I think. I don't know. I mean, they could be ranked at that point. They they did receive uh, votes in the preseason poll. So if you start out five and zero, six and zero, I think they're going to be ranked at that point. But they they would have to get off to that strong start. Uh, we should talk about the rest of this conference because we only have twenty five minutes to talk Big Ten and SEC. So we'll move through the rest of this a little uh, a little more quickly. But Wisconsin is the favorite in the Big Ten West. Um, Wisconsin is a team though that I have trust issues with because I can always count on them to be solid. I can always count on them to be good, but you know, in a number of big games and times when they've had expectations, it just feels like they always come up short in some regard. And I had a, a tweet from Jared Sargent, who's uh, another friend of mine from college and from Carthage, and he had tweeted at me, and we were just kind of talking just Wisconsin sports. He's a big Wisconsin sports guy. He's like, yeah, Wisconsin's going to start out like 8-0, and and they're going to lose a couple games. I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> you know, they're just like under Paul Christ, and I guess to a certain extent, this may even stand back to Brett Bielema when he was there. Unlike how I feel like we were talking about Northwestern, I always feel like Wisconsin somehow manages to have one inexplicable loss throughout yeah. the season that you can't explain away. Um, you know, whether it was, um, you know, early on, you just look and there's always just one game like, no offense to Northwestern, they're ranked 19th, but I feel like last year at Northwestern, um, you know, that was kind of one of those that you weren't expecting them to, to win, to lose. Yeah. And uh, they only mustered seven points, then only six in the, the lost Indiana. Uh, you know, they only scored, uh, as we're looking at it, they scored 20 points before they played Minnesota um, in that three-game losing streak. They scored seven against Northwestern, lost 17-7. to seven. Six against Indiana, lost 14-6. to six. Seven against Iowa, lost 28-7. to seven. So they're just kind of one of those head-scratching losses that I feel like kind of keeps them from taking the, the next step um, as it is. Um, you know, Graham Mertz was impressive. Um, and they've, they've got talent. Jalen Berger is back. A lot of returners on offense, nine returners on offense. Um, you know, they get Notre Dame. That'll, they open with Penn state. That'll be a big game for them. Penn state will be trying to rebound and camp Randall will be rocking, uh, get Notre Dame, as we said in at soldier field. Um, and, and really a game to kind of keep an eye out for them. I know we touched on this a little bit in the independence, uh, but Army comes to Camp Randall on October 16th. And I'm not necessarily going to say that, that Army wins this game, um, but, you know, Army has, uh, they took Michigan to overtime a couple years ago. They took Oklahoma yeah. to overtime the year before that. It is very, very tough to play the service academies, just the way they run, yes. the triple option, things like that. Uh, they have smaller offensive linemen, so they focus on things like cut blocking, 
And like, especially in the middle of the season, I mean, it's sandwiched in between road trips to Illinois and to Purdue. It's really tough to prepare for the service academy. So if you don't have, you know, your 100% focus on them and are ready to go, like they can sneak up and get you. So that will be a really interesting game to keep an eye on. I mean, it works out. They get Iowa at home. And I feel like Iowa and Wisconsin are the two teams that people are really talking about to win the Big Ten West. So always better to have that game at home. Um, although Iowa will be coming off of a bye that week before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I just feel like there's Iowa's always, Wisconsin always has one inexplicable loss. Um, yeah. If they can avoid that, uh, you know, there's a chance that, that they roll through the Big Ten West and head to Indianapolis to take on presumably Ohio State in the Big Ten title game. Uh, but I just feel like at all the time under Paul Chris, there's just been this one game that, you know, they shouldn't lose and inexplicably they lose anyway. So, um, but if they could avoid that, you know, they, they've got a good team coming back on paper and a chance to kind of get back to playing in the big 10 title game where they played uh, three of the previous four years. Yeah. There's so many interesting teams in the big 10. It's unfortunate that we're pressed for time and we're not going to be able to go through these one by one. But if we just look at it on a macro level, Penn state and Michigan should both be better than they were last year. Indiana had a remarkable season last year. And I know some folks are expecting some form of regression. Maybe the schedule's a little harder, but I do think Tom Allen is a legitimate good head coach. I think he's building something really nice there. Mike Penix Jr. played. He was starting to kind of be a guy that maybe we talk about for the Heisman and they blew out his knee. Um, if he's able to come back, fine. I mean, that should be... With him and Ty Freifogel, like that should be a really good team. Again, their defense was really good last year. Um, Illinois brought in Brett Bielema as their head coach. Lovey's gone. Uh, really wish. I, I love Lovey. I, he's such a good guy. I would have loved to see him get more of a chance there. But uh, be interesting to see what Bielema brings there. Purdue's got one of the best receivers in the country and David Bell. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the Big Ten is, I mean, you got Nebraska also in there as well in terms of Scott Frost trying to build something there. Maybe this is the first year that you really start to see some progress with that program. Uh, Big Ten, it's really, aside from maybe a couple that you want to throw out there, I mean, these are tough games. These are, <laughs> there's really only a couple of slouches in this whole conference. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I feel like Indiana is a team I want to lump in with Iowa State, which I know we talked about a little bit, and North Carolina in terms of now there are going to be, and I guess probably even Cincinnati to a certain extent as well, there are now going to be significant expectations. You you were incredibly successful last year, had a really good season, bring a lot of guys coming back. Can you repeat that? And um, you're talking about maybe expecting, people expecting a little bit of regression from Indiana, but if they don't, if Indiana doesn't regress, if, if some of these other teams don't regress, you know, a chance to finally get some new blood in the college football playoff. And, uh, you know, I do agree, Tom Allen, a fantastic coach, and I think they're uh, he's building a really, really good program down there in Bloomington. Yeah, and so I guess my last question on the Big Ten is, if it's not Ohio State, who is it representing the Big Ten in the, in the college football playoff? Honestly, it's hard for me to pick one because I feel like there's a lot of really good teams that are like in this range of, and again, it'll, it'll change as we watch these teams and we see who's really good and who isn't. 
But at this current moment, I mean, it looks like you got a lot of really good teams that are in that category of like best. If you're ranking the teams, they're between 10 and 30, but you don't really see a clear rival to that number four Ohio State. Yeah, um, I'm going to cop out and take the easy answer. I'm going to say that if Ohio State isn't the Big Ten's representative in a playoff, the Big Ten's not going to be in a playoff. I don't see. I, yeah, I, I, agree. I don't. I I don't see like like I don't see Penn State or Michigan. Maybe Indiana. I guess Indiana. I think could, Indiana would be the like they, high they, ceiling pick, they, but they would be they would be the only other one. Like I can't see any of the rest of those teams. Like even though Wisconsin is the class of the West Division, like I can't see any of those other teams outside of Ohio State catching enough of lightning in a bottle to carry it through and be 12 and one or yeah. 13 and 0 at the end of the year. Like even if somebody who wins, you know, if Wisconsin wins the big, t- big 10 title game, like they're probably going to end up being like 11 and two or something like that. And is an 11 and two big 10 champion going to be good enough to get into a 14 playoff. I, I, unless there's a lot of chaos outside in other conferences, I don't see that happening. Yeah, it is going to be hard to rack up those wins in the Big Ten. Like they're gonna they're gonna cannibalize itself, and yeah, it'll be interesting. I do think Indiana probably has the highest ceiling of a non Ohio State team. The question is, will they actually reach that ceiling with the expectations, with the bullseye on their back, and then of course, is Mike Penix Jr. going to return to what he was before he blew out his knee? Yeah, yeah, all good questions. But yeah, I think you know we talked about Cincinnati in uh, the other part of the podcast. They've got a chance to get a really marquee non-conference win. Um, you know, they they welcome Cincinnati into their stadium and uh, a chance on September 18th there to to make a really big statement. Um, their schedule is going to get harder. I mean, they do get Ohio State to to come to Bloomington, but they have to go to Penn State. They have to go to Maryland. They have to go to Michigan. And they've got to go to Iowa. Uh, they a sneaky good season opening game right there on September fourth. In addition to Penn State, Wisconsin, also Indiana at Iowa, a couple of a really good East Division, West Division games uh, to open Big Ten play. No doubt. All right, we only have about 20, 15, 20 minutes left here, so we'll give a a, a good view of the SEC, and then we'll try to give our picks. So obviously Alabama, number one consensus, number one team in the country coming off that really, you know, powerful national championship team. It was a juggernaut. It was so good. Uh, Bryce Young, I believe he's a sophomore. He's going to be a starting quarterback. Um, It'll be interesting because I think what's interesting about Alabama is you had they had these last several years they had three amazing quarterbacks mac jones tua tungavailoa jalen hurts all guys who are first or second round picks in the nfl and funny enough none of them have really any hype on any of them in the nfl like i feel like you could you could buy stock if you want to buy low on those quarterbacks you could do that right now but all those guys were good college quarterbacks and i think i mean there's no reason to think that they can't be good at the NFL level. We'll see what Bryce Young has. Yeah. Yeah, it will be, you know, the, we, we took, we spent a lot of time talking about the, the Alabama offense and, uh, you know, Devonte Smith and, uh, Najee Harris and, um, as well as Jalen Waddle, um, you know, just, just a lot of weapons that Mac Jones had and, uh, Mac Jones now in new England, 
Um, and, and then, you know, can Bryce Young be the, the next big guy offensively? A lot of offensive firepower who graduated. But, uh, you know, as we talked about, I think a little bit with Ohio State, uh, it's a little bit easier because Alabama returns eight projected starters on defense. And, uh, you know, a defense a year ago gave up just 19.4 points per game. Uh, will, you know, allow them to kind of grow, will allow the offense to kind of grow and get good with uh, while they can continue to, to keep teams uh, at bay. Uh, we, we mentioned their, their opener, a little bit difficult. They play Miami in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game in Atlanta. And they got to go to Florida on September 18th. The Gators, not quite as good without Kyle Trask and uh, Kyle Pitts, but uh, always hard, always difficult to win in the swamp. And uh, then uh, I think probably the game that everybody's got circled is maybe the SEC game of the year, October 9th, Alabama at Texas A&M. Um, We'll touch on A and M here in a minute. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, you know they've they've got uh, you know until you know to be to be the best you got to beat the best and uh, so they they've won thirteen in a row uh, undefeated last year and uh, until somebody knocks them off uh, they're going to be the the favorite to keep just keep the machine on rolling even if the faces are new. Yeah, and of course Texas A and M last year they. Uh, finished the season around. They were number five or number six team in the country, and they didn't drop in the polls at all going into this year. Number six in the country, they did lose Kellen Mond to the NFL draft, their starting quarterback, who it seemed like he was there the last three years. Like I think he was like a three-year starter. Um, So what should we be looking at with A&M this year? You look at A&M and, uh, you know, really it starts by Isaiah Spiller. the, the running back uh, a year ago, Spiller rushed for, you know, 1,036 yards. And again, this is a little bit of a truncated schedule, um, average 5.5 yards per carry. Um, <clears throat> and he's kind of the, the first team all SEC uh, running back slot, one of those positions. And he will allow you know, their, whoever ends up being their starting quarterback. Uh, the thing I'm looking at has projected perhaps Hayes King. I don't think they've announced. Uh, I don't think Jimbo Fisher yeah, yet announced so. who the starting quarterback is going to be. So this is all just kind of speculation. So if it turns out to be wrong, and uh, you've got a lot of Texas A&M listeners who so, uh, apologize in <laughs> advance, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, they've got running backs, they've got returning wide receivers, as we talked about with Ohio State. If you have returning players in those skill positions, it always makes it easier for a young quarterback to kind of get the feel of things. And um, returning, uh, I say Spiller. Uh, Aeneas Smith, uh, Demond Demas, Caleb Chapman, uh, Jalen Wordemeyer. Those are all starting wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends, guys who have a lot of experience. Uh, they've also got Devin, uh, I think it's a chain, but my apologies if that's not correctly how it's pronounced. But uh, five, six of their top seven returning rushers uh, are back. Uh, in addition to all seven of their top receivers are coming back. So a chance for whoever the quarterback is. Um, to at least get the opportunity to have familiar guys in skill positions and kind of work that way in. Um, you know, it's a little bit nice to A&M schedule breaks pretty well. Kent state, they do have to go to Colorado. Uh, they play Denver or they play Colorado in Denver um, at uh, it's not sports authority field anymore or Invesco mile high stadium. I can never remember what corporate name that stadium has now, but wherever it is where the Broncos play, they'll play Colorado and then Arkansas, Mississippi state, they play Arkansas and Arlington, Mississippi State, Alabama at home. Uh, so they'll get a chance to really kind of get rolling, I think. They should be 5-0 and when Alabama comes to town, and that'll be 
know, a chance where we really could kind of find out what Texas A&M is made of. Um, they were ranked 13th when they went to Tuscaloosa a year ago, lost 52-24. Um, certainly no shame in that, given what Alabama had a year ago. But, I mean, it's going to be kind of, you know, put up or shut up time, I think, for them. Yeah, it and then... Be, it'll be a top five matchup, right? Uh, A&M should probably yeah. be in the top five by then. Uh, assuming Alabama doesn't lose two undefeated top five teams, that'll be, I would imagine, a night game on CBS, a uh, place will be going nuts in College Station. So that'll be a chance for Jimbo Fisher to really kind of get his 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 marquee win in, uh, in College Station. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also very intrigued by the Georgia Bulldogs, for that matter, as well, because they peaked really at the end of the year, like we talk about with Oklahoma. I remember watching Oklahoma at the end of the year, and it's like, all right, that team looks like a playoff team for next year. As similar thought when Georgia beat Cincinnati in uh, whatever bowl game that was. Was it a Sugar Bowl or? I can't remember. Peach Bowl, okay. So JT Daniels, the transfer from USC, he was, you know, really, really good again down the stretch of last year. I like Georgia quite a bit going into this year. Looking past that, there aren't any other interesting enough. I mean, Florida's number 13 in the country. But I don't think there are any other ranked teams in the AP top 25 poll from the SEC. Now, Ole Miss is knocking on the door. They got a lot of votes this year. Should be very interesting with Lane Kiffin. And, of course, uh, their stud quarterback, who I'm, I'm blanking on his name at this time. but Matt Corral. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, you know, LSU, we, we highlighted oh, yes. they're going to number 16. That's them. right. Highlighted them going to UCLA at Orgeron, but you know they were just five and five a year after going fifteen and zero. Um, you know Miles Brennan at quarterback uh, in the second year on as he, his second year as a starter. Um, <clears throat> kind of how? To, excuse me. How do they? You know, kind of function on offense. They've got nine projected returning starters on offense and nine projected returning starters on defense. So they've got a chance to make some noise, but they have to go to Tuscaloosa. They do get AM at home to finish the year. When you're talking about the SEC, you're talking about Alabama, you're talking about AM, you're talking about Georgia. And then we'll just kind of wait to see what else emerges. Like, yeah. You know, Mississippi State, second year under Mike Leach, they, they got that big win and then fell off uh, after starting the year. Um, you know, and, you know, how are they going to be? Are they going to be improved? How will they be? Uh, things of that nature. So a lot of question marks, I feel like, outside of Alabama, AM, and Georgia. Yeah, 100%. Okay, anything else on the SEC here? Looking at the conference as a whole. I mean, the East, I, I don't know what to make of the East outside of Georgia. Like, we talked about Florida. Um, you know, I've, is Florida going to second in the, the East? I mean, it could be Kentucky. I, I, I just have so many question marks about all these teams. Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. Like, you know what you're going to get out of any of those teams. So uh, the East is a lot of question marks, and the West, as it is always with A&M, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Auburn, Mississippi State, Arkansas. Like the, the West is going to be a tough slog. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of know what to expect out of the West and a lot of question marks about the East. Okay. Andrew, we covered every conference. How about that? that was, we did that it. Was, we did a good job, yeah. Yeah. Two hours. Pretty good split up over two episodes. So now we've reached the finale of our preview for college football season. I'm going to ask you, here's my next question. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, those three all made it in 
the last two years. Which of those, let me give, I want to hear your confidence picks for those three to return to the playoff again this year. Which team are you most confident in? Which team are you least confident in? Oof. Um, hmm. Put me on the spot a little bit here. Alabama, by the um, way, I should correct myself. They did not make it two years ago because LSU beat them. Right, right. Um, I would say, given the returning starters on defense, even though there will be growing pains on offense, just the way they've recruited, the way Nick Saban recruits, I will say most confident in Alabama. I will say second most confident in Clemson, not necessarily because I think they're a better team than Ohio State, but I think that um, the way their schedule kind of shapes up, and we talked about the teams they avoid in the ACC schedule, you know, even if they don't beat Georgia in that first game, um, you know, they have a lot of opportunities that they can keep winning to get rolling and be right back in the top four. Uh, by the time they get to the ACC title game. And then this is, you know, by no stretch, um, because I'm a Michigan fan, I just think I have so many questions about how the offense will look in Columbus with, you know, C.J. Stroud behind it. And if he turned out to just step right in and continue to be a dozen fields, then, um, you know, I will will sit here and and, and eat my words or whatever. But I think (laughs) it will be very difficult for them for – the way Fields ran that offense was just so good and so impressive. And the way they just took it to Clemson in the national semifinals. And, you know, if Stroud can step in, then they'll probably just keep on humming. But uh, of those three teams, uh, given those options, that's just what I would say. I would label it Alabama most likely then, or most confident than Clemson than Ohio State. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I just think as I look at all three of those, I do think there's a, a legitimate case to be made that one of them could miss it. I mean, because Alabama missed it a couple of years ago. Now, just Alabama, they don't play Georgia, right? They do not, no. Yeah, that's Their crossover that's big. games in the East are uh, Florida, ten- uh, Florida and Tennessee. Okay, so that you could get Alabama-Georgia uh, SEC championship game, and you could end up, let's say, one of those teams, you could have a if both those teams are one loss and one team beats the other one, you could legitimately have two SEC teams. So I would definitely go with Alabama as the most confident in. Um, but I mean, like you know, they could lose to A and M. I I don't think they'll lose to A and M, but there's there's a case. I mean, they are. It's not like their schedule is going to be as difficult as it has been in the past with the SEC, but. I mean, there's a case to be made for Alabama to, to fall out of it. Um, there's a case to be made for Clemson to be fall, as we talked about. And then, of course, with Ohio State, they could lose a game or two as well early in the season. So I don't know. I think I think it should be really interesting. If you had to give me a top four on August 23rd, 2021, who's in your top four, Andrew? Oh, boy. Um and you don't have to. Uh, you don't have to give rankings. Just oh, four. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson. Go. Just because I want it to happen, I'll say Cincinnati. Interesting. Okay. So I think I'll go. I got Alabama and Oklahoma in there as well. But again, do not sleep on Iowa State. Iowa State can get in there if they if they win 
uh, one of at least one of those games against Oklahoma. I mean, that's it'd be interesting if 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 one of those teams were to win both those games because they're probably going to play each other in Big Twelve Championship. Do not take Iowa State lightly, but I will take Oklahoma. I'll take Alabama. I'll take Georgia. And you know what? Let's go a little crazy here. Let's go Oregon. Let's go Oregon wins that Ohio State game. So I actually would be having Clemson and Ohio State falling out. But that might just be the optimist in me trying to see a little chaos. (laughs) I mean, I certainly think there are a lot of non- Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State football fans around the country who would love to see some, you know, new teams get into the playoffs. So uh, if you don't root for one of those fan bases, I think we root for chaos and we'll, you know, see what happens. But it's always going to be exciting, man. And uh, I thank you for having me on. And I cannot wait to break down uh, the season as it goes along and (laughs) talk about it as uh, we go along through the next four plus months here. It's going to be awful lot of fun. Absolutely. will be a lot of fun. Just want to add real quick. Part of my thought process on that is let's say Georgia beats Clemson out of the gate. I think that's, that's basically a playoff game. If those teams have the same, like if they're both a one loss team, Georgia gets in over Clemson and then same thing with if Oregon beats Ohio state. So there, there's a little bit of thought, a little bit of rationale behind my pick. Reasoning makes a lot of sense. All right, good stuff. Okay, Andrew, this was a lot of fun, and I had not invited you back for a certain date, but I'll give you one right now, so you're not going to be able to say no while you're here on the Jack Vita Show. Uh, Tuesday after Labor Day, it would be a blast to have you on to talk the uh, first week of college football, maybe a little bit of baseball too, if that if that is able to work out for you. Absolutely, man. Let's do it. All right, good stuff. Okay, it, you can follow him a stem zero is it two zeros or one zero on twitter two zeros double zero okay a stem double zero on twitter read his work at the omaha world herald uh any closing closing words andrew oh man i'm just i'm the atmospheres i'm ready to see marching bands i'm ready to see stands (laughs) you know filled i am also ready Uh, i like week zero but takes on a little bit bigger meaning here in nebraska because nebraska and illinois are going to kick it off uh, on Saturday at noon, but, uh, you know, just looking forward to, to waking up, watching game day and uh, rolling through until those West coast games. It's good to just have 13 hours of college football back and have it feel like, like, uh, we've been ready and been accustomed to, I've been watching these, you know, the replays on ESPNU of the top games from last year. And it just seems so, um, sanitized, you know, and, and obviously it had to be with, with the virus and everything, but you know, no bands and hardly any fans. Um, so I, I'm just ready to, for the, the camera to pan over and see, uh, 90,000 screaming maniacs in places across the country. Cannot wait. All right. Should be great. Cannot wait either. And, uh, look forward to talking you with you September 7th. Sounds good, buddy. I will put it on the calendar. All right, folks, that concludes our college football preview. I hope you guys will join us back on the podcast on Monday talking uh, week zero of college football and catching you up on baseball action. And then after that, we're going to have a a weekend recap for football basically every single Monday uh, throughout the college and NFL season. It's pretty hard to believe we're already at this point. 
but I will do my best to get the content out to all of you, the folks, and continue with our baseball coverage as well. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Jack Vita Show, where you can vote for the greatest sports movie of all time in our greatest sports movie of all time bracket. By the time you're listening to this, we'll probably be voting on the Elite Eight. Uh, it's been a fun ride, so make sure you guys are contributing to that so you find out which which uh, which movie ends up coming out on top, which movie is the greatest. It will be interesting to see. As I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a special guest joining us on the podcast sometime soon. If you're following along on social media, I can, I'll can release the name of who that guest is, uh, but I'm not going to do so until I have a date booked for when I speak with this guest, but it is someone who's big time and is really excited to come on here. So excited to have that in the works. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you are listening to podcasts and log on to my website, jackvita.com. Get on the email news list. Then whenever there's new content available, it will be emailed directly to your inbox. A great way for you to stay up with the latest sports news as I will be doing writing and podcasting over there on my site. And also be on the lookout for NFL Preview, which is going to start dropping sometime in the next few days, I'm certain. So hope you guys enjoyed this. Enjoy the rest of your summer before we get into football mode. And until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.